Welcome to Newsworthy with Norisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. On well, it's just two weeks. I mean, the book side and then the book right. tour. On Sunday night, I was a zombie. Yeah, but did you just do nothing after? Yeah, yeah, nothing. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't even unpacked my bags from the car. Yeah, I don't have nothing less. It just came out two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Okay. Two weeks ago tomorrow. Congratulations. Thank you. That's very exciting. It had a great launch. It is. It's been. It's been a lot of fun. Okay. First book. First book. Okay, now, okay, you, you originally asked Annie to describe the podcast. Go, Annie. Yes, so Newsworthy with Norsworthy is a podcast for Christians, particularly, I would think, Christians in a leadership form. I think if the funnel keeps going down, there are a lot of pastors who listen to this, has been my experience, um, is it's probably more male-dominated than female-dominated, though there are women who listen, myself included. We don't try to have any domination like right. we're not trying to dominate it. It's just what happens. Church of Christ, you aren't trying to. <laughs> it just happens. It just happens. <laughs> it just happens. Yeah. Just happens. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's a podcast. A lot of people listen to it. He, he has a lot of really interesting guests on. Whereas I usually have friends on my show. Luke has friends, but also anybody that he. It's so fascinating to me because anybody Luke's interested in. He's going to bring them on. He will find them and bring them on the show. <laughs> you're, you're talking to the side of it. Oh, it's like, sorry, like sorry. a harmonica or something. Sorry. Call back. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, he has he ha- anyone that he finds interesting, he will go out and find a way to get them on the show, and I think it's awesome, which is what he's done today. Actually, this is one of the uh, very few times that my wife said, "Hey, this Jamie Ivy person has a new book out. Has she been on the podcast before?" Oh, your wife, I love her already. And so She's she awesome. she called out, yeah. So let's get a good picture right there. Is that what's happening? It's just a little story. We're going to do a little Insta stories. Hello, stories people. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to that's invade right. on the recording no, time. That's great. Uh, here, it's perfect. Like, like Annie said, we don't really like edit. So it's just all, this is what it's happens. all greatness here. Okay. And one of the things that I feel like is most important about you that I would lead with if I was your like, press secretary yeah. is mm-hmm. your dad grew up Church of Christ. Yes. And... I How was just you, your your wife must have told you that from the book. I, no, I read, read the book. It. She hasn't read it. Yet. I, he read it. Yeah, I read most of it. I am so like do you, this. Aaron, I'm sorry. Aaron, and I had this conversation last night yeah. because someone at If Gathering, someone that I love and respect, was like, "I've read a lot of your book," and I was like, "Really? Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes." Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Yes, my dad did grow up Church of Christ in Brownwood, Brownwood, Texas. Yes. Which church in Brownwood? Well, I think it's Brownwood like the, Church of Christ. Yeah, the Brownwood Church of Christ. <laughs> That's, I'm assuming. Yeah. Now, I had some friends who were part of the Brownwood Church of Christ. Okay, Went really? To school really? at ACU. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's not a whole, like, ACU people are Church of Christ, and if they lived in Brownwood... That's, that's what there is, there's, yeah. there's not options. Uh-huh. I'm just saying... Isn't that how Church of Christ goes? Don't they name it by the city they're in? Isn't yeah. how you know? It's also how the Bible does it. So, oh. I mean, that's kind of how... <laughs> you know, my husband's in a band. His drummer and wife graduate from ACU. Who's his drummer? Philip Ellis. I mean, they're like, there are 5,000 people there when I was, so yeah. I don't know Philip, but he sounds really nice. He's a really he nice talented. guy. Yeah, he sounds great. He's, he's a sounds, nice guy, yeah. And he found yeah. someone to marry him. Yeah. So he's a good dude. That was really and nice. And y'all, are y'all the Wildcats? Yeah. Like this. That's I really WCA. love knowing mascots. Just that's a, that's a randomness. <gasps> I, I don't know them all, but if I know one, it all, I always feel like a little... Mm-hmm. Like my chest kind of puffs up if I can Feels drop it in a conversation. What do you like about mascots? I just think it's, well, side note, I was the mascot in high school. <laughs> okay, there it is. What was the your, the is. school? The Knights. The, okay. So I wore a big head and I was, you know, 17. So I wore, obviously, a one-piece le- leotard. 
Oh, yeah. Because I was 17. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I honestly, I was going to wear that tonight when we went out for dinner. Um, Lindsay's going to bring it up and we're just going to, but. It got chilly in Austin. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, you were mascot. Mm-hmm. And so, Annie, uh, do you know her her alma mater? Tell me. I went to Georgia. Well, is it the, the bees? No, no the Bulldogs. Bulldogs. Georgia, bulldogs. Oh, Georgia Tech. Yeah, yeah. That's solid. Guess. Oh, my gosh. State. Yeah, Yellow Jackets. Yellow Jackets. Jackets. Yellow Jackets, Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, the Bulldogs. Go dogs, yeah. take them. Yeah. Okay, now that we've established that you're connected to the Church of Christ, uh, I was telling some people as I was walking out to greet you that we're going to try to win you back okay. to the Church of Christ. <laughs> now, your church, Austin Stone. Austin Stone, yes. It, it's A lot of people really love Austin Stone. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. I feel my face just got really red like you're going to ask me questions about our church that I don't know. No, I, I, was I don't gonna, work there. I was going to give you suggestions. Okay. Like, okay. I, here's the thing. Our church, when I... Soon after I got here, we added instrumental service. Previously, we were just a cappella. Yes. And your husband and all y'all in your worship thing helped out our people. Oh, really? And so I feel yeah, the sense cool. like I'm very grateful for what Austin Stone has oh, done for awesome. our church. Mm-hmm. And I want to return the favor. What are you going to do for us? Have you thought about maybe adding an a cappella service? <laughs> I mean, I think that we could present this to Aaron and it mm-hmm. could maybe... I mean, it could be a it could be a thing. Yeah, yeah. If you need someone to do the be- the beatboxing, <laughs> I have that talent. I don't really do share it? with a lot of people, but I feel like if you need someone in a pinch, and it's in between one of our services, I'll drive over as long as I can be back for the. So other. is beatboxing okay in an acapella service? You can sound like a drum. You just can't have a drum. <laughs> so you know, that's how we do it. I feel like you would like if you heard it. Since it was like ingrained in your DNA, yeah, it would just be like, oh, I'm at home. I'm at home. Yeah, because it's in me. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you for that. I will present that. Okay. Speaking of presenting, who's this podcast brought to us by? Oh, oh, <laughs> thank you, Annie. Yeah, that's good. Um, now, ladies, let me tell you something. I know sometimes you're thinking, "What am I going to do?" In May, you might be thinking, "What could I do for a couple days?" What about this? Would you? I'm, not, I'm just making this There's up. There's no notes. I'm like, where is oh, he coming from? You won't from? believe this. He preaches without notes. He literally, I sat in his church yesterday and I he preached for say that. 30 minutes and does not have a note. It is so impressive. It's, it's just in your and brain? It's good and it doesn't lose track. It's incredible. Go Sorry. on. Carry on. Oh, <laughs> Mine's like word for word. Literal. <laughs> There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. I have my iPad with me the whole time. I, 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 I do too, yeah. Continue on. Where are we going in okay, May? Okay, in May. If you're thinking, how could I spend three or four days? I've got an idea. Christine Kane, do you guys know who that is? Yeah, yes. From Down Under. What about Christine Kane in Malibu at the beautiful campus of Pepperdine University for their 75th annual Pepperdine Bible Lecture? Christine Kane will be joined by yours truly, Brian <gasps> Zahn. You're too? Yeah. I, like every year I do that out there. Oh, that's cool. And uh, some Church of Christ well-knowners, uh, Rick Ashley. Uh, I think... Um, you know Ethos in Nashville? Yeah, yeah. Dave Clayton? <gasps> oh, I'm a I, huge fan of Dave I, Clayton. I think he's going to be there. I should have double-checked that. But anyway, that is uh, first week in May. are you friends May. with Dave Clayton? Have we talked about this? Yeah, I mean, we're friends. Oh, I love that. When we were in Nashville, like yeah, he yeah. came to the gathering I was a part of right after. We have not talked about this. That's amazing. Okay. I love that dude. He's but done so, such good stuff for Nashville. So if you wanted to see me and Dave Clayton... In the same place. And, and Christine Kane. And Christine. And Malibu. Pepperdine Malibu. Bible Lectures. It's, it's okay. now known as Harbor. It's a new kind of branding that they came okay, up okay. with. Where would we look online to find that? Uh, look in the show notes. There'll be a link. Okay. Yeah. We'll you have a discount code or anything? Uh, there should be one. <laughs> yeah, there should be. <laughs> but here's... It's free. Oh, oh, no discount needed. No, so no discount, discount needed. Just show up. Yeah. Just show up. Get yourself there. Yeah. And, wow. and they can, yeah. It's what a, are you teaching on? Uh, I'm doing uh, my stuff on Christians Make the Best Atheists. I took a trip to Greece and we did like a study of like all the ancient gods. Hold and, up. 
actually, what do you think when you hear Christians are the best atheists? Christians make the best make a- the best atheists. What's the what do you think the lecture is going to be about? You already maybe know too much. No, I don't know anything. This is my I'm I'm introduced <laughs> to it just like the listener, unless they know. Uh, Christians make the best atheists. Maybe we don't believe God well. I don't know. See? Here's it's, the problem. I do not like that title around the content is brilliant, and I don't think the title tells you what the content is. Go ahead and tell her the content now. Okay, so all the ancient gods. Okay, when a Christian was first baptized uh, 2,000 years ago, on Easter Eve, they would face like the West where all the gods were, specifically like the Parthenon, which is like the centerpiece of um, like uh, Greek mythology, and they would spit, renounce the devil, they would be baptized, and when they would come up out of the water, the rest of the world knew them as a different name, and that name was atheists, because they didn't worship all the other gods, Zeus and Aphrodite and... Um, Poseidon. And so because they only worshiped one God, they were believed to be atheists. And so Christians make the best atheists because we deny all the false gods and worship the one true God. I get it now. Takes a little while. But the idea of, but then what he's actually teaching is about the Greek gods and how faith, right? You're comparing them to... And how they're influencing what we do. Right. So So in my heart, there's just a better title that tells you we're going to talk about the Greek gods and how they meet Christianity and why Christianity is better than. Have you yeah. developed a new title? No. Oh. The series already ended, yeah, just yeah. for oh, the record. okay. I did a sermon series <laughs> back in the fall. As okay. we forward about what else this series could be, mm-hmm. I am encouraging my dear friend, Luke Norsworthy, to, mm-hmm. to retitle things. Well, I've never heard what you just told me, so it's very interesting. It's, so it's mind-blowing. Fascinating. Let's go to Pasadena. For it. Is that Malibu. 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 Malibu, yeah. Pepperdine. Three mm-hmm. se- sessions. Pepperdine. I think that's it's uh, 8 o'clock is my session. Okay. No, that's 10 o'clock Central Time because it's Western. That's true. Right. The old Western Coast. but uh, <laughs> The wild Western Coast. <laughs> okay, you know what? What about no Podbean? No, Podbean's done. Oh, okay. We're, okay. we're now in Pepperdine Bible Lecture. Oh, great. Okay. Harbor. 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 Yeah, Harbor. That's a great we'll one. We'll look for that link in the show notes. Yeah, we will. You know what else we'll look forward to is getting a copy of your new book. Oh, yes. And you brought like seven copies of it. Right no, there. I just brought two. She brought yeah. two. One for your wife and one for her friend. We'll give one away. Okay, let's do it. I'll get, we'll give it away. Okay, That's a great idea. I'll come up. With, what What would be something funny that people could do on the Twitter? Just make them tweet at you a woman that they would want to give a book to. So if a pastor wants to give a book to his wife or his secretary, but how do we determine who gets it? Though? You just decide. Just you just read them. And your favorite answer. I think it should be the funniest tweet. Okay, the funniest tweet about why wow, wow, wow. why someone oh, deserves stressful a new copy of okay if, if you, you only, only knew. knew by Jamie Ivy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. I, I think we're just great. Tweet st- it. What done. dates? What's your window of time? Because this, this is, is a, my life coach. Well, here's what happened. Luke and I did a podcast together, you know, and we didn't put a real good time limit on a prize we were giving away, People, and we were. We were writing checks for a long time. <laughs> so people get upset about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's only one book, and so let's do it within a week. Okay. So a week after this comes out, okay. you have you it got in. one week. Yeah. And at the end of that one week, Luke's going to pick the funniest tweet. Yeah. Of who is which? Who deserves person want, Who deserves it? Yeah. yeah. A woman can nominate herself if she's funny enough. If and, it's funny, and I'd love to know your mascot as well. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Wherever you want okay. We want your humor to be related to a mascot. It has to be mascot related. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is a high, high, this high is. quest. Yeah. So here's the crazy thing. You write a book and it's for women. Since why you want a, a woman to get the book. I'm a man. Was I not supposed to read this? Well, here, I'll, I will tell you the thing is 
When I write, and I don't know if you guys do this, I think of somebody. Like, here's who I'm writing to. Like, we'll just call her... Gertrude. Gertrude. So she I think reading. about her, and I think about her life, and I think about what she might be walking through or giving through. And so mm-hmm. that's always a female in my head. Mm-hmm. So when we're, I'm doing all this book process, like outlining all this stuff, I keep saying her, she... And my husband's like, why are you doing that? Anyone can read this and get something out of it. I'm like, Thank you, Mr. Ivy. I know. Mr. Ivy is right. And I'm like, he is so right. And so men can definitely get anything out of it. I just always think of a woman. I don't, and, and it's my bad. No, there's nothing wrong. No, Let I me, think that's really interesting because that is who you think of first. That's I think who I think of. Yes. Okay, yeah. can yeah. I be honest? In some of my creative work, like making people, I've only made women. I have three female daughters, no sons. Creative work. And so I feel like I, you create things for women, I've created women. That's See, it. So it's very similar. So I'm They're glad you read cute, it. By the way, I should show you, we'll show you pictures. Uh, no, they're right three there. are real cute. Pictures all around here. Your podcast, Only Women Guests. Yeah. Is there? See, here I go again. George W. Yes. If, she, if, if George, George w, w ever says he'll come on the show, it's a Yes. And there's one other, oh, Aaron. And Aaron's been on my husband. That's another thing. When I started, I just said that, and it just stuck. Mm-hmm. Now, if I ever make another podcast, I will not have that rule, because there are a lot of men I would like to interview and have on the show. But it <clears throat> is just, yeah, uh, yours truly, yours right here. Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, yes. I just was wondering. You could be the first one on the new show. Thank yes. you. Uh, but it just started that way, and it just stuck, and I just have kept it that way. Yeah. I mean... I guess I own it. I can do whatever I want. Yeah, it is yours. I just kept it that way. Well, I think there is something. I think women do love knowing. There is something about listening to, to Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey where you know it's going to be a bunch of girls talking and it may be a woman you know or it may be a woman yeah. you don't know. But it's like, a, this is going to sound cheesy, but it's a girlfriend chat. Like it, it is. You just know it's going to be yeah. female. Totally. Totally. And, and, and I, you know, I listen to Annie's podcast and actually some of my favorite – if I could like think of some of my favorite shows, they've been when you've had men on. Huh. Yeah. If only we could think of a show that she <laughs> had a man on. I wonder what that I one know. Would be. I Do you know Week and I's books come out on the same day, October 2nd? We're going to have twinsies this year. Mm-hmm. That's that exciting. I know. Yeah. I love it. I think it's so fun. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you had a book coming out October 2nd. Yeah. Didn't you just release a book? Uh, the devotional just came out, but this is like another like trade. trade okay. Book. Yeah. So and, it's two different. Things. And you have a book coming out. I do. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to have an umbrella on the cover. Actually, I'm sure I'm not. Have you seen a cover yet for your book? Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, tell it's, the story. What is the story? About how that you went through a couple of rounds of book covers. Yeah. The, Which book? Is this your first book? Second? First book, Okay, yeah. okay. Book number one. And so I was not sure how, how much leeway and say I was allowed to have in this. And I was told, <clears throat> Annie, that you need to fight for your cover design that you want. And yeah. so it, I'm very happy with the cover design. Good. Really Did you good. have to fight for it? I don't feel like I had to fight like there was no blood involved you just had to be vocal you just had to say vocal through typing Uh vocally yeah vocally typing and i feel like we got it done well annie gave you good advice your devotional cover money yeah Mm -hmm. they did i mean when they showed me that for 100 days to brave i thought it was either picking it has pink and gold and the other option was navy and i'm glad we went with pink because i think it's really beautiful i also we're really hoping that in about six months we'll have a masculine cover. We're going to try to do oh, a I second love that. cover. Just Camo. Dudes are like, I just spoke at a thing Tuesday night, 2,500 single people, and all these dudes were like laughing, holding the book. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Because so, it's not gender specific at all. Right, right. Just the covers. We're yeah. We're actually doing for, I haven't even told you this yet, Luke. For graduation, we're going to do, um, for I think we're going to do 50, where I'm going to make 
covers like you did for your books in middle school. No. Of, That's awesome. And, and so the first 50 people who buy them for guys who are graduating, we're going to hand make I have some suggestions on what you could do. On like you, could do on like the, the, the remember masculine. how we did the paper? That's what yeah. we're going to use. Yeah. We're going to use, um, we're going to use cro- brown paper bags. bags. Yeah. yeah. We're going to just make 50 of them. Okay. Here's my give. first suggestion. Okay. Make one that looks like a UFC cage. Cause what's oh, more masculine cool. than two yeah, dudes yeah, yeah. with just their underwear on fighting, fighting in the, a cage. Until they're bloody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel sure. like that would be a great There's one. There's so much leg wrapping in that stuff. I think it's so weird. It's, it's, it's all weird. There's a lot of, I don't like it. You don't like it. All right, no, fine. No, no. I had a UFC champion on, I guess you didn't want to listen to that episode. Sorry, Rich Did, Franklin. <laughs> oh, he was a former a teacher champion. just like you. Yeah. Wow. Three time middleweight champion. Wow. Rich Franklin. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's been on. Has he been on your podcast? No, not yet. Nor mine. Not yet. <laughs> no, not yet. Hey, speaking of textbooks, your kids are too young. Let me tell y'all, my kids don't own textbooks. They don't what? use textbooks, do you guys. Do? It's all online. Wait, how? Do they all have their own tiny computers at school? Well, iPad. they all have iPads and iPhones, and then they go, can use computers at school, but everything is online, you guys. So no one oh. has books anymore? There's no textbooks? No one has textbooks. I don't know what I feel about how I feel about that. That's weird. No, I know. I know. I mean, we had lockers so that you would go to your locker, get Put the next book. book. Yeah. yeah. My kids don't even have lockers. How old are your kids? I have two, three in middle school. So. Oh, wow. Isn't that insane? That's, three uh, in middle school. Mm-hmm. That's an eighth scary. grader and two sixth graders. So they don't have lockers or books. So they, the teacher will just say, okay, go ahead and open your iPad. Click on your science I actually have no idea but what they do at school. You know school, what they do? They just look at Snapchats from their teachers. That's all it is. Yeah, That's yeah. All it is now. Right. yeah, yeah. I don't know what they do at school, but there's no textbooks. Okay, you know what did happen with one of my children and a e-book? Your book. That was my transition. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, this is cute. I want to talk about your book. Okay. So after the If Gathering, which I went to with my middleest daughter, Adeline, and we sat behind you, turns was out- she on your lap? Yeah. I saw you guys. That was yeah. me. Yeah. That was me. And I was right like, I Brian think Elliott. that's you. And- I'm like kind of reading your book right now, or I was about to, and I was like, I feel like that's her, but yeah, like, hey, maybe that's not you. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I didn't. And there's also the Duck Girl, which I established. Sadie Robertson. Sadie Robertson. The Duck Girl. Uh She was there. So you too, I recognized. That was it. Anyway. Oh, well, great. Thanks. Congratulations. (laughs) Anyway. The Duck Girl. The the Duck Girl. Okay. So I come home from the If Gathering, which I really enjoyed the Mm -hmm. like 45 minutes I was there. Well done. Thanks for coming. And... I was very proud of you. Did, Did you great. see Annie? Yeah, I think just for, okay, just for yeah. Annie, just yeah. for her. Thanks, and Annie. we closed our ears. <laughs> when Lauren Chandler was singing, I was like, Lauren, I don't want to hear it. And so I, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Love the Chandlers. The, um, so I come home and then I have your book on my iPad. That was my transition, uh-huh. digital. Yes. Okay. And my daughter said she wants to turn the page each time. And so she's watching Olympics and turning the page every time. And so she's turning. She goes, dad, can you read it out loud to me? Oh, no. And I'm like, read? Um, well, we're at the second miscarriage and, um, Hester Prynne comparison was out there, Scarlet Letter. And I decided, I don't think this is a book I'm going to read out loud to you as a six-year-old. Um, good choice. Is that good kind of decision. the recommendation not for six-year-olds to read this It's story? a good recommendation. And you know what? I'll tell you this. One of the number one questions that people ask me is, Hey, have you talked to your kids about this? Because mm-hmm. I talk about getting pregnant in college and I had two miscarriages and I even talk about some harder current struggles even after following Jesus like sexual struggles later in the book and so my answer is no I haven't talked to any of my kids about this except for last Tuesday night what well whenever the book came out we had a big party at our house or whatever and I saw two of my oldest son's friends so they're eighth graders and ninth graders walking around holding my book and I thought Okay, hold on. I made a mental note because you know it was crazy, but I made a mental note. 
if they have this book, they, I don't think they're going to read it. They're in eighth grade. They don't care about <laughs> someone's mom, right? Yeah. But what if they just flip through and then they read this stuff? And what if they know this stuff before my son knows this stuff? And so I kind of yeah. have this anxiety moment. And so that week, I guess it was almost two weeks ago, I sat down with my 14-year-olds um, on our bed. And Aaron and I, I was like telling my husband, like, I have to tell him tonight. He's like, no, you don't. I was like, I feel this, that I have to talk to him about this. Mm-hmm. And so um, he came in and I was like, buddy, I want to talk to you. And I laid it all out there, you know, age appropriate for a 14 year old. But I did, I told him, Hey, listen, I just want to talk to you about some of the things that are in the book. You know, um, when mom was younger, she wasn't following Jesus and she made a lot of bad choices. And I told him how I had sex when I was younger. And then I told him that I got pregnant and had a miscarriage and I didn't tell him twice. Like there's just a lot of things, you know, that you can tell later, yeah. but I was just like, and mom had a miscarriage. And then I started following Jesus and I, believed God's plan to be best for my life and I didn't mm-hmm. have sex anymore and your dad and I did. so I like went through it all and I cried I didn't I thought I would like boohoo because you're looking at your people like yeah the people that God's entrusted you to and you don't want them to make the same mistakes as you have but nobody does right no mm-hmm. parent they have a list I hope they don't do this but yet the whole time I was thinking if I tell him this number one he sees maybe not now at 14 but when he's older Hopefully he'll remember the time that his mom was real with him. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the conversation, I was like, you know what? The thing about this is, though, Jesus forgave me. And Jesus has made me new, and he has made me mm-hmm. whole, and I am a new creation. And God doesn't look at me and see that. Your dad doesn't look at me and see that. And that's how awesome our God is, is that when we mess up, he does this. And I was like, okay. And so my prayer was, golly, I hope when he leaves that he doesn't think, my mom had sex when she was in college and high school and got pregnant. But he thinks, my mom knows God. Yeah. My mom knows forgiveness. My, no- my mom knows redemption. So that was, it was just this, I think I just got serious real quick, but it was this moment of, I had I had thought about that moment for 14 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I have to tell my kids one day. And he was so sweet. His, the, he only had one question, you guys. He only had one question. What, he said, do you have any questions? It? He said, so if that baby wouldn't have died, would I know him? Oh, wow. And I said, well, I hope so. Like, I hope that you would have a brother who'd be 20 in college. And I hope that I would have still met your daddy and that mm. we would have you and everybody. And then you would have a big brother. And that was it. And he was like, yeah. okay. Hmm. And that was it. Wow. But it was, it was way easier than I thought it was going to be. Now, I have three more kids and I have to do it three more times. Hmm. Um but it felt like the whole reason I wanted to write a book is not to like talk about these things that I did, but to talk about this God that is in the business of redeeming our failures and in the business of making us new. And that I truly believe when God looks at me, he sees righteousness, mm-hmm. not because of me, but because of Jesus. So not, you don't need to tell your six-year-old daughter, but okay. I just told my 14-year-old son this week that yeah. his mom made some mistakes um, before she was following Jesus. I had a, a friend who uh, did a testimony in church. I, I think I'm not speaking outside of confidence to say it now, but someone at our church talked about uh, sexual impropriety like in a, at a fair, and they hadn't told their kids yet. Mm-hmm. And so it was like the night before where they were going to... It was going to be like the video was going to be played. And so oh, they just wow. sat down and said, hey, this is what... what mom did and God forgave. And um, sometimes you just have to have those moments of this is when it has to happen. Otherwise 
we can kind of just let those things yeah. slide yeah. under the surface yeah. and not bring them up. I remember I found out something about one of my parents before they told me. And I remember what that felt like. Mm-hmm. And so my thing has just been, I would never want my kids to hear something about me from someone else. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, I think that's where that urgency came in. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, laid it all out. Well, Most of it. Good, good for you. Uh, in the book, you have a friend who gives you like a, a necklace that has two angels or something like that mm-hmm. on it. I guess you've never worn that around and go, hey, what are those two angels for? We have four kids. No, and the funny thing is I've lost that necklace since then, which is really, really sad. <laughs> I mean, it's really, it makes the story even less now. I should, I should just lie and say that I have it. Yeah. yeah. But, um, oh, that's a great necklace you were wearing <laughs> yeah. with the two angel shapes yes. on it. But a friend silver. gave me a necklace with two charms on it to represent... Mm-hmm. Um, the two miscarriages I have because y'all I was I was a baby I was yeah. 19 and 20 maybe mm-hmm. and I didn't ever grieve those losses because I didn't feel like I could I didn't yeah. feel like I had the right to um, and I was so young and just just a baby yeah. um, that I didn't grieve those until later which is kind of crazy and so that that necklace that she gave me that I've now lost what a loser <laughs> friend um, it meant a lot though yeah Mm-hmm. Does it say anything to you that you lost it? Like, does it, is there anything about like, I'm glad that experience happened, but. And maybe it feels that I don't, I don't stress about that anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I'm not sad anymore. I'm not ashamed anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. So in the book, you have a statement like to your dad of like, you didn't do anything wrong, which as a dad, I would appreciate hearing those words from my daughter. I don't know if I could ever, if my daughter does anything, I feel like it's my responsibility. And so I can't imagine how your dad felt after this is written down and it's kind of made public. Has there been conversations with him since the book came out? Has he read it? He has read it. My parents are such supporters of me and they just love me and Mm -hmm. they have read it. And I shared with them some stuff, you know, as I was writing it, you know, the stuff that's hard, this was 20 years ago in my life. Mm-hmm. Like I'm almost 40. So 20 years ago. So for me and my family, we're talking about these things, and I'm like, this is so not a big deal. I so don't think about this every day. The mm-hmm. only reason I think about it now is because I put it in a book and have to talk about it. Yeah. But that was just, it was forever ago. And so we have walked through so much in our lives, even since then, you know, mm-hmm. even worse pain than that we've walked through in our family. And so um, my... I mean, my dad is just the sweetest. My mom told me that he's just like crying through the whole book. Like he can't even read it without crying uh, because he's just, that's just who he is and he's proud and all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think everything changed for me though when I became a parent yep. because my kids are for sure going to need counseling. I'm for sure messing them up on a daily basis, you know, and I'm just like, Jesus, take the wheel, like mm-hmm. make something good of our mess. And so I had a conversation with someone this morning. We we're talking about like, man, as parents, we just do, we do the best that we can, right? Mm-hmm. And we're broken people raising messed up broken people. And mm-hmm. so you put that together and it's just a mess sometimes. Yeah. And it's just by the grace of God that any of us turn out halfway normal. And I would say to both of you as parents, uh, I don't think counseling is the response to bad parenting or neglective parenting. I think counseling is a gift that teaches us how to do our emotional health really well because we don't send people to church or send people to youth group because parents didn't do it right. It's because for our spirit, for our spiritual health, we need more resources Mm -hmm. and we don't. And when we go to the gym, we have trainers because for our physical help, we need health. We need more resources than just our parents. So I think 
counseling for children says nothing about the parents except that you recognize you're not the only people able to give your children good mental health. That's good. Yeah. Uh, we've been, my husband and I have been in counseling. Uh, two of my kids have. I mean, you know, yeah, we, we are high valuers of somebody else speaking yeah, yeah. in and yeah, helping. Yeah, yeah, I, I wasn't saying no, that I know. to you at all. No. I was just I, saying that. I do think that. I think it's a sin. <laughs> my dad's a psychologist. I and, always yeah. want people to know that we go to counseling. In fact, one time I was at the counselor's office, yeah. and we were leaving, and as we walked out in the lobby, someone said, oh, hey, Jamie, you know, they were talking to me, and the counselor pulled me aside, and he said, hey, I know you and Aaron are in leadership here in a church mm-hmm. in Austin. Do you want to use the back door? And I was like, uh, no, <laughs> never. No. Uh, I will tell everyone right. because you're me so, too. it's just. I have people come up to me and say, thank you for saying that when I mentioned in a sermon that I was going to counseling or seeing yeah. People therapist. say it to me all the time if me I mention too. it. Which me is too. heartbreaking that there is such a stigma about totally. seeing professional help. Yes. Yeah. It also hurts because that means my dad's getting paid less <laughs> and I need that money <laughs> to get me through college. Yeah. So that was important for me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You talked about, um, True, true love waits. In so in your youth group, there was. Did any of either one of y'all sign them, or are y'all younger yes. than me? No, no, yeah, no. I did true love waits. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, so, I, I'm not, I, I'm not for sex outside of marriage, but I didn't sign one. Okay, because that wasn't. I'm not saying like I'm for. I feel like I'm in. So no, you no, want kids fine. to have sex before they're married? That's Is that what you're not saying? What I was saying. <laughs> I feel like I went down the wrong road there. Okay, yeah, true Our love church waits. didn't do that. Yeah, um, it, it taught that, but we weren't like the trademark yeah. program. Uh huh. So you, you signed the thing when you're 13, I mean, four years old, eight, I mean, yeah, nine? I mean, probably. probably all through high school, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And in hindsight, what's your, what's your take on it? On the True Love Waits movement? Mm-hmm. Um, my take on... Not on abstinence, but on this movement of it. Um, my take on the movement is this, is I really appreciate and value what was trying to happen with that movement. Um, I mean, you remember, I think like Kirk Cameron was behind it. I mean, all kinds of people were saying, yeah, we're going to do this. And I appreciate it and love it. For someone like me, and I talk about this a lot, signing a card gave me zero, it it didn't produce anything in me besides I signed a card. There was nothing in me that thought, oh, because I made this commitment, I better not have sex. The hard part for me was I signed that commitment way long after I had already been having sex. And so then as a teenager, but nobody knew that. My parents didn't know. My youth leaders didn't know. A lot of my friends didn't even know. And so for me, it was like, I didn't know how to even talk to anyone about that. I didn't know how to say, actually, I am already having sex, but I'm going to try really hard not to anymore. Mm -hmm. I just, I didn't have people in my life that I could talk about that with. Mm -hmm. So the movement, I don't know. I don't really have an opinion other than signing a card didn't do much for me because I didn't, I don't even know if I was like, following Jesus. So that's a whole nother story, but fair enough. Yeah. I have a real opinion about true love weights. Can I say it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you care? I would love, to I hear would it. care. Uh, I think we are doing a massive disservice to students when we use the word weight. I think what we're saying is that there's a finish line and it's when you get married and what we actually mm-hmm. should be teaching is sexual purity because I'm single and I have to choose sexual purity, but y'all are married and y'all have to choose sexual purity Amen. because there's still sexual purity in your life. And so if we will actually teach people from the beginning to choose sexual purity in the life that they have, we are not setting up like there's this finish line you're going to get to cross because for any of us at this table, there's never a time that sexual purity isn't part of our lives, right. but you're having sex and I'm not mm-hmm. right. And so that's, and so I, true love waits says 
everyone mm. is going to get to cross over this finish line mm -hmm. if you'll just hold on. And yeah. that's not true. I hope that's true. Yeah. But that's not, that's not, <laughs> yeah. everyone. It's not guaranteed for anybody. It's not that's guaranteed. a good thing. Huh? That, no. that movement said, everyone's going to get this at some point. Just don't do it now. Yeah. And instead, we should be teaching students mm. like, when you're 17, when you're 27, when you're 37, what does it look like then? What is sexual purity? I also think, I mean, that was the 90s, and I feel like so many things have come a long ways in then yeah, for us. Yeah. Like when I talk to my kids about sex, we've had sex talks since they were four years old, and we will continue to have them. I, it's not one thing. It's not anymore. a one thing, yeah. and it's not, for me, I didn't know why I shouldn't have sex other than the Bible said so, and I already was kind of confused about it and was doing a lot of other things that I thought mm -hmm. my parents would be mad about, so I didn't know what was the big deal. And I think hopefully we're now preparing our kids to have a better understanding of our sexual identity mm -hmm. and our why we should be pure and what that looks like. Because I have a lot of friends too who are like true love weights, true love weights, don't have sex, don't have sex, don't have sex. And then they get married and their brain still says, don't have That's sex, right. don't have sex, That's don't right. have sex. Exactly and so right. all of a sudden there's no freedom and there's no intimacy within their marriage yeah. because all they've heard is sex is wrong, sex is wrong. Yeah. And just the other day, I think I said something in the kitchen and I said the word sex. I have no idea what we were talking about. And my daughter was like, oh my gosh, that's such a bad word. And she's 10. I was like, that's not a bad word at all. Sex is awesome. It's between, you know, a mom and a dad. And, mm -hmm. you know, so I think that the narrative, like you said, it's changing. It is in my house with my kids. What do you tell your kids as a reason for abstinence outside of marriage? We tell them that it's God's best plan for our life, that this mm -hmm. is what he has, decide, that he has designed because he knows our emotional health and he knows our physical health, um, and that our bodies get to represent you know, him in a way, and that God wants you to spend the rest of your life with this one person. You know, This is his best plan, and so he has that best. Now, I just told you that I told my kid yep. you know, that I had sex before marriage. Um, do I think it's the worst sin you could ever commit? Absolutely not. Um, do I hope all of my kids wait until they're married to have sex? A hundred percent. But I do know if one of my kids messes up, I think that they're going to feel a little bit more confident coming to me now that they have, I have been open with them mm -hmm. about the ways that I failed. Because listen, the ways I fail, that's just one of the 8 million ways that I could lay out on the table for them, you know? And so that's another thing I feel like when I grew up, sex was the absolute worst thing. Well, I grew up Southern Baptist, so sex and drinking were the absolute worst things you could do, you mm -hmm. know? And I just, I don't think that those are the worst things that you could do in your it life. It felt like those were the two swimming pools. Do not fall in. Do not, no. or you else. Can, you if can, there's a swimming pool with alcohol and sex, that's a terrible swimming pool. Yeah, don't and that's where I, I yeah. swam there my whole life. Yeah. I was like in the deep end. Mm -hmm. So, and I liked that pool. Mm -hmm. I had fun in that pool. Mm -hmm. I, I like this analogy. I don't know how to go with this. Metaphor. I don't know. I just need a lifeguard. I'm just telling y'all that's how it felt. Yeah. 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 Oh gosh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We can go so deep with this. <laughs> we yeah. Good. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm gonna transition here so I don't get fired. Um, <laughs> I don't think you can get fired for this. This is really important. I feel like the metaphor could get me fired. Oh, oh sure. yeah. Where, yeah. Where okay. that could go. The okay. So you talked about uh, Scarlet Letter and multiple different Scarlet, like feeling used, and I'll let you say whichever ones you want. Um, in your, in your experience, did you feel like the other part of the party who is engaged in premarital sex felt the same way? Or do you feel like oh, those scarlet letters seem to only go on females in our culture? Um, I felt like it only came on me as a female. Again, at the time, I don't know that I would have vocalized that feeling that much. When I started to feel the most shame is when I started going back to church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And um, it's interesting. I heard a girl, I don't know if you were there for a roundtable discussion at, at IF, and she had an abortion. And she said that the minute she started going back to church, she felt shame. And I understand that because I didn't feel that shame when I was just with my friends or living my life. Um, but when I started following Jesus again and went to church, I felt so much shame uh, because I felt as though I would walk in and it was as if everybody knew my junk mm-hmm. um, and I didn't feel safe. And I'm not saying anyone made me feel that way. Like I'm not putting mm-hmm. blame on anyone. I just didn't, I didn't feel comfortable there because I felt as though I was too much, which we all know this is not okay and it's wrong. Yeah. And I hope our churches do not make people feel like this. That's our goal, right? Of course, yeah. Um, but that's what I felt like then. And I felt like that it was kind of like my cross to bear. Even after I got married, I thought, well, I should just, I should be really. Your shame is the cross? Yeah, I just felt like I should bear this for the rest of my life so that God knows I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, and we do that. Like, if you, mm-hmm. we do that with, like, you know, I have a friend who had an affair years ago, um, and that's still like, they're, they're still like, oh, I just have to be so broke. And there is brokenness, there is. Mm-hmm. But there is also. Man, you have been forgiven and set free. You don't have to walk with your head down for the rest of your life because mm-hmm. it's happened. Mm-hmm. And I felt as though I had to so that God and other people would know I was really sorry for what happened. Yeah, I get that. When I was in high school and I would uh, lose a, a wrestling match, if I, I, if I, I communicated this somehow, um, like non-verbally, like if I was serious as an athlete, like I would always keep my head down and throw stuff on the ground. And like that meant I really wanted to win. And I did the same thing with my faith, especially as a teenager of if I'm going to take it seriously, then when I mess up, I've got to really like to stay with the uh, Scarlet Letter theme. Like I have to do my own sort of like beating of myself mm-hmm. to show that, you know, this was really bad. Yeah. But I still don't feel like the guilt goes on guys as much as girls. And my, my friend Richard Beck talks about it as the uh, purity culture, mm-hmm. where it's not trying to uh, reassign right and wrong, but what we need to reevaluate is why so much of the wrong is being placed on women, not on men. And I know in your book you referenced the, uh, uh, the woman at the well, mm-hmm. which is a story that you really connected to mm-hmm. in, in your own words. Mm-hmm. And even as we read that now, we think, oh, this woman, you know, she had multiple different husbands, and now she's living with a guy who's not even her husband. But in that culture, I'm pretty sure she didn't have the ability to divorce anyone. Like, mm-hmm. other people had divorced her multiple times, but the way we tell that story is, oh, you know, she's a slut. Or she, they may have died. Well, yeah, I remember I had already written my book, and we had the yeah. conversation about it. You told me that you were preaching on it, I think, yeah, I and you were telling it, yeah. me about it. You know, for me, identifying with her was that she was, that she was there all alone. She didn't feel like she could associate with women for whatever reason. Um, and I felt like that way that I couldn't associate with other Christians, like if they knew. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to just be secret trying to figure out my way um, in my faith because everyone's going to look down on me. So why would I want to hang out with people? That's kind of where I felt. Yeah. Um, you felt like you had to go in the noonday to get your water because totally. no one else wanted to be around you. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I feel like when we were growing up, the. Language was, it is really hard for guys not to have sex, so girls cover don't yourself it up. Yep, yeah. like it, so. So that was kind of what I understood of of teenage boys is they they are almost out of control. It is almost beyond what they can handle. Mm-hmm. You can either make it better or worse mm-hmm. based on what you do. Which, well, I was going to go somewhere else, so I'm not going to go. But I have boys, and I 
don't think I'm not saying that to them. I'm not right. saying, oh, well, look what she made you think or look how she made you feel. No, we need to we're in con- control, control ourselves. Self-control is what we need to work on over here. Yeah. Um, but I think that you probably write about. Yeah. Even with uh, like there's been studies about how uh, if you would go up to 100 men and 100 women and ask, would you like to participate in casual uh, sex outside of marriage? The response you're going to get from men is far higher than women, but often we always want to blame them. Like prostitution, like we shame prostitutes as though they are the ones doing this bad thing because they want pleasure. Like usually it's an economical thing or mm-hmm. you know some totally. some other situation, totally. but it's the Johns are just well you shouldn't have done that, but the prostitutes are the evil ones, and it's just there's clearly a disproportionate blame that's being placed on women instead of men. And the prostitutes are the gross ones, mm-hmm. but not the guy leaving his wife and kids at home mm-hmm. to yeah. go find a woman to have sex with. Like that's just, he's just meeting mm-hmm. his needs. Yeah. Well, why do you think that is? I don't know why. I mean, in our culture or I don't know. Like was there something that looking back on your, your experience growing up and, and you felt this like mm-hmm. as a teenager, mm-hmm. um, but the other person involved, the guy probably mm-hmm. didn't have the same yeah. sort of yeah. shame. Do y'all know each other at all? No. Yeah. You want to say his name? Yeah. Just kidding. Let me give you the whole name. Yeah, yeah. First and last. Yeah, let me write down. We'll tag him on Twitter. Oh, my gosh. It's on Instagram. (laughs) What if he's the one who wins the book? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) That's not happening. But do you, like, looking back, obviously, it's difficult to, like, extrapolate exactly what motivated and caused you to feel the certain, the way you, I can't remember what made me feel. Well, I was going to say this, too. Like, in high school, when I look back on high school relationships and high school stuff, and I think this is common today as well, is... There were girls who were like the trashy girls. They slept around with a lot of guys. But no one talked about guys that way. They yeah. were sleeping around with a lot of girls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I don't even know where that came from, comes from. But it's we've all experienced it. We've all seen it. We've all heard of it. Um, I, I don't have a, a good smart answer for you yeah. without thinking about it. But yeah. I have no idea why. But it is true. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely the case. I, so what do you do? You're raising daughters and you're leading a church. That has men and women in it of yeah. all ages. So, what does it make you want to do? Well, I think as it's a leader and a well, dad. You know, the church I'm a, a part of, like we have all male elders, and the person who preaches every Sunday is me. And and you're a male for anyone who. Thank you. If, if we didn't know. get that at this point, episode <laughs> 300 of the podcast, and they hadn't <laughs> ascertained my gender. <laughs> stop listening. Okay, just whatever. But I'm always describing faith, and men are leading. And I don't, I'm not putting blame on any of the specific leaders at our church or, or specifically on myself, of course. Um, but when the people who are articulating faith and explaining uh, ethics and morals are always men, our issues are going to be projected onto everyone else. And we're going to interpret things through our own lenses. And so I think if you have a, a culture that the most dominant voices are all male, it's clearly going to skew towards treating men better and women worse. Mm. I, I, I don't see how... How it would happen any other way? Yeah, I mean, yeah. if everyone was Christ-like and didn't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, and were like truly, truly Christ-like, then we're good. Yeah, but that's probably maybe Austin Stone. Everyone's like that. Oh yeah, y'all read the Bible a lot. And Everything's you got, just perfect. Matt but... does like verse by verse every sermon, and so <laughs> yeah. maybe that that yeah. solves it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I hope that you know I can speak specifically for my family. Um, you know, because our church is like that. We have male elder leadership. The people teaching from the stage are men. 
but and I always am thinking, man, but at my house, like in my relationship with my husband, my kids are not going to see this dominance by Aaron over the home, if that makes sense. Whereas, you know, dad's in charge, all those things, but we are partners and we are cheering each other on and we are doing ministry together and separately and all these things. And so I hope that within my family Mm -hmm. that my kids are hearing both voices. I know that they are, they are hearing both voices. And so they are getting um, leadership within the home by their mom and their dad. And some families just don't grow up that way, if that makes sense. Yeah. And obviously you have some homes that the woman is the dominant voice, like Timothy or single mom. Yeah. Yeah. Or even single moms. I mean, you know, Let's not, there's yeah, let, no male voice in there. Yeah, let's not act like that's not. When we think of the typical church going family, um, it would be nice to think that most of the men are carrying their weight, but I mean, we know. Yeah. We're, we're all church people that yeah. it's usually the women Woman. who are getting the families in there. Yeah. And um, anyway, that's another story for another time. But I do think the image of God is in men and women. And when we don't hear the full image of God, in both genders, I think we all miss out. I and agree. I think this could be this could be one of the causes of that. Yeah. I think we solved it. We solved it. Oh my gosh, you guys solved it. Yeah. <laughs> you did it. I knew you would. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um what else do we want to talk about? I feel like we got sex covered. Yeah. We, we been there done that. Yeah. Well, sorry. Or not. <laughs> Annie's like, I, are you going to talk about like sex? It's like the book is about sex. It's like if I would talk about your book, I'm going to talk about bravery. Right. I mean, I feel like yeah, I no, I didn't say it like you shouldn't. I just asked. Yeah, yeah. So that's a like, is that what you've spent like three weeks talking about on podcasts? <laughs> Let's talk about well, sex, baby. Um, yeah, a lot. Yes, and just identity and talking about you know mm-hmm. your past and all those kind of things. Um, you know. I'll bring up the hardest chapter that I wrote in the book, which is chapter nine. I don't know that you've gotten there yet. I'm not going to answer that. if you would have gotten there, you would know. Have, well, it's, okay. it's okay. I didn't get there. I know. It's fine. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would, What chapter did you get to, Annie? I did not get to nine. <laughs> but, this, but I would love to have this conversation with you guys because I feel safe here. Okay. I don't like having it with people I don't feel safe with. Yeah. But I did write it in books, so there it is. <laughs> but it was about... Well, the chapter is about being vulnerable with your friends, like... Can, oh yes, I did. I did get to this. I did skim to the. Yes, I, I skimmed. Yeah, I skim all a lot end. of books. Yeah. Yes, we're good mm-hmm. about being vulnerable with your friends and confessing sin and helping them point you back to Jesus. All those kind of things. And I start with talking about pornography. So we'll continue with the sex theme here, um, <laughs> and just about how it is something that affects women, and it's not talked about very much, mm-hmm. hardly at all, within the church. Christian women is the number one fastest growing demographic of people watching pornography. Are you kidding? Nope. Did I've never heard that? Mm-hmm. So I just bef- heard it two weeks ago. So before I was following Jesus, like I was just doing whatever I wanted and living life crazy and everything. That was it was a common thing to watch with boyfriends, which I hear is so common. Um, and it was so common, wasn't a big deal. Um, and I remember one time in college, my boyfriend wasn't there, and I found myself watching it alone. And I felt like I don't know if this is okay, but I mean, it didn't seem odd to me. I mean, mm. just the way it, just to say it like it is. But then um, I started following Jesus, I got married, and that struggle did not affect my life for many, many, many years. Um, And then I tell a story in the book about one night, there I was, alone, Aaron's out of town, I have four kids, I'm married, I'm happily married, like all the things that you just think Mm -hmm. would not affect um, someone, and I found myself trying to find porn on my computer. Um, I was teaching at my church the next day, 
I mean, like I love Ooh. Jesus. Mm-hmm. I love his word. I love teaching women. I, I just, and there I was. Yeah. And we have a thousand safeguards, praise God. And I didn't get to anything. And so, but still shame, shame, shame. Yeah. Oh, you thought you had this under control. Right. Here it comes. You're still the same person you've always been. Mm-hmm. Um, feeling like if something like this sexual sin might come in and take me out. And so I confess immediately the next day to a girlfriend and to my husband when he got home from out of town. But it's just, and I have gotten so many women sending me messages. Mm. Thank you for this. Yeah. I've never told anyone I struggle with this. And that stat that you just shared is crazy. And I think that we need to be talking about this in our yeah. churches. We need to be talking about this to women. And every time I teach, when I talk, if I say like list out some sins or whatever, I always say pornography. And usually people's eyes I are like, always say pornography. they're just like, what? Mm-hmm. But you know, if that stat is true, then there are women in that room who are mm-hmm. struggling with it. 55% is the number. What do you think it does uh, to not vocalize that as like, not even saying women are included in, Pornography. Well, because here's what happens when they're when they're 13, and we have a youth group event, Mm -hmm. and we split the boys and girls. We talk to the boys about pornography, and we talk to the girls about eating disorders. So what happens is, if you're a boy who struggles with eating disorders, not only are you sinning, quote quote, but there's also an added shame of this is a girl sin. And when you're talking to the girls about eating disorders, but they're looking at porn, then not only does she feel shame because she knows she's sinning, she also thinks. There's something wrong There's with me. There's something wrong with me. I'm disgusting. Is, I am, why am I doing a boy sin? And so we've labeled these things. We've decided that girls struggle with this and guys struggle with this. And so that gives all this permission for the enemy to come in and go, well, you better not tell anybody. Secrets. Because then what if they think you are fill in the blank? Or what if they think, you know, a guy has an eating disorder, so he's gay, mm-hmm. right? Or so he's feminine or so, it, you know, and, and mm-hmm. so we've, we've put all these boxes around what it means to struggle with certain sins Instead of just calling them sin and going like, are you human? I bet that's hard for you. And I've had three moms reach out to me and say, in the past two years, we found out that my daughter, anywhere from ages yep. 12 to 15, totally. has been entangled Student in pornography. Student pastors email me all the time and say, you, you have two books for teenagers that are like years old. I mean, my teen books came out in 12 and 13, 13, no, 12 and 13. And I'll still have student pastors email me and say, are there any resources? Because we have girls telling us all the time. I mean, it's, it's an epidemic. I, I mean, I, I don't use that word lightly. It's an epidemic for women. It's scary. I have four children and all four of my children have seen pornography and we have like safeguards at our house. Two kids at a beauty salon, crazy enough, a kid showed it to him on a phone, um, at another house, an iPad, I would call it like soft porn. But you guys, I, I talk about this. Mm-hmm. I protect my children and it has come after them. That's the difference, right? Because when we were little, it would be a magazine. A Playboy magazine mm-hmm. that you had to, someone had yeah. to purchase it. You had to work pretty hard to get that. Uh-huh. You had to seek out this particular mm-hmm. vice. Now it is coming after us. Yeah. It is it. If yeah. you, I, I used to live in Scotland and I would illegally watch The Bachelor. On, That's um, a shock. I know. You're, everything I'm telling you shocks you, right? The Batch, as yeah, you call it. Yeah, The Batch. I would illegally watch The Batch, on, and I would stream it, and down the side of both of everything was all pornography links, right? So I'm, watch, I'm just watching The Bachelor, and all to the right are naked women, right? I mean, like that. it just comes after us, yeah. and that has not been... Us being humans, not us being women, comes after you, comes after me, comes yeah. after Jamie, comes after your kids. 
That's why, I mean, that's why I am just like, uh, you have to talk to your kids. You have to say the word pornography. You have to say all of the words that you hate. I'm not going to say them here because they're inappropriate. You have to say them to your kids so they know that you, A, you know. Like, I don't want my kids to think mom's stupid, so I can't talk to her about this yeah, or dad. Yeah. They have to know that you know the words. You yeah. know the stuff. You know what's going to happen. And then give them, give them language. What, I talked to my boys. What, should, what, what would you say if a kid is looking at your phone? When my, oh, our three boys have cell phones. Two of them got them this Christmas. It just freaks me out so yeah. much. Yeah. Um, we sat down and went over a contract with them. And in the contract, it says, I will not send naked pictures to my friends. I will not receive naked pictures. And my sixth grade boys were like, wait, why would anyone do that? And we're like, because it would, it, yes, it will happen. It yeah. will happen. Um, there was something happened over here in Austin with boys. Yeah. You probably know about this a whole thing passing around girls, uh, one girl or something. No, lots of girls, boobies, mm. oh, you wow. know, I That's mean, child pornography and you can. Be arrested for that. Totally. A- and the, I mean, yeah. And so I want to tell my kids, someone will offer you a picture of a naked girl on your phone and you have to know what to say and know why to say. And then, I mean, it's just, y'all, it's, it's scary because it is just coming after us. Yeah. Okay. First of all, as a dad, I've just thrown up in my mouth up four times because I never thought you need to have the pornography discussion with your daughters. So thank you. Mm-hmm. I should have read a chapter nine. It's okay. And it's I, way at the end. It's, it's way at the end. I still do. Yeah. yeah I guess you I haven't could miss the chance. To yeah. Read it. it does um, not disappear. Okay. Good to know. Thank you uh, for giving me a headache. I have a headache right now thinking about that. So thank you for adding that parent stress to me. Um, no, no, no. It's a gift. What you're actually doing. This is a gift because what you are doing is protecting them. I'm for that. I know, but I'm saying that conversation feels terrible, but what you're actually doing, when you take the power out of those words, you're becoming the safe voice instead of some ten- teenage boy being the safe voice. I, like, I was good. Like, I knew that, like, the, <laughs> the boob pics, like, from requests from some guy is going to happen. Like, that conversation, I understand that. I'm ready for that mm-hmm. one. I didn't expect to have the conversation and the filters. Like, I knew there would need to be filters, but this, that kind of filter didn't think that for girls, and I'm clearly wrong. Yeah. I don't feel like that's a gift that I, now I have to stress about one more it thing. Is. I know we, we'll talk about it again in 30 years because we'll still be friends. It's not a stress. It's not a gift. a gift. That's a terror. I want to return that gift. gift. It's a good it, this conversation though. I chapter nine is the one I lose sleep over. It's the one that I'm like, should I put it in? Should I have not? But I've come to a point because of this conversation right now is that we have to talk about this because I, I again these stats that Annie's given us. The girls. Yeah, my friend Jim Cress gave them to me, so we can Google and make sure I'm right. But the girls that this is affecting in silence mm-hmm. um, and in shame and embarrassment, um, it's going to take out. This it, it's coming after like a generation of young girls, and it's really scary. Okay, what should I do and as pastor? Girls. Yes, but I mean, it's, yeah, the young girls is what people don't want to talk about. Yeah, like oh, girls can struggle with this. Yeah. All right. So how do I how? I'll tell you, I, I have I have a thought on this, Is and I bet Annie will say the same thing, is that as you're teaching from the pulpit and you speak about pornography, do not assume that it only men. Okay, so men, fact, you might struggle sure with men. it's not only men. Yes, <laughs> people, men and women, you will struggle with pornography. If that's ever in your sermon, don't make it just towards men. Okay. Because then it does the same thing. There's a woman out there that's like, well, holy crap, there is something really wrong with me because he doesn't even think it's worth talking about to me because I am gross. Mm-hmm. I am disgusting. Okay. All right. Yeah, that I'm is done. all you have to do. If you just say, I mean, it's almost like you saying, just saying the words you don't want to say to your kids. The power, so much power disappears when it, for a word when people just start using it mm-hmm. and saying it. 
And so if you just, I, I think if pastors just say from the pulpit, pornography attacks everyone. There is no one in this room that from the oldest people to the youngest people that, that do not have the opportunity, maybe even desire, maybe even um, chance, yeah, chance to see pornography and have it affect their lives. And if there's like a pornography recovery class or whatever, make sure it's not just for men. Hmm. Would you separate men and women? I think I would for sure. I think that only would be, because, yeah. yeah, just for, just of what it. Sure, yeah, you already feel. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You talked about uh, one of the reasons that you you uh, found yourself connecting to guys in unhealthy ways and not having healthy boundaries was a, like pursuit of love, like feeling loved in that moment. Um, do you connect that to this as well? Like, do you feel like? I mean, it was a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, pornography does the same thing to men than it does to women. Is it creates this feeling? Um, mm-hmm. I, I kind of think of it as like, and again, I haven't, by the grace of God, I have not looked at porn in lots and lots of years. But it creates this feeling of like, comfort and calm and i'm assuming that this is what it does for men as well i'm not a man um but it's almost like this it can take you away from your current circumstances is what i feel Mm. like it would be for women it's kind of this well that's the draw of 50 shades of everything right you know those books 50 50 shades of yeah yeah. i mean they they i haven't watched them pornography to be be fair i mean we may get you may get hate mail but those books are pornography. Um, I'll, I mean, I've, I've already confessed a lot here, so I will say that one time I was in the library, and I saw one, and I picked it up and just opened it up to a page, and I read it, and I was feeling it, some yes, feelings yes, it is that I shouldn't be feeling. For real pornography. And so, hmm. it, but it is, it is escapism. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a Saturday Night Live skit about moms reading. Um, do you know the skit? No, moms but I now want to see it now. Fifty Shades of Grey and their kids walking in on them. I mean, a very vulgar skit about their husbands are like, yeah. And it, because it is escapism, it is, yeah. Yeah. It is all that. Yeah. So, so that's, so, so you're right. So for women, so much of it is the escapism, mm-hmm. is the leaving their life, is mm-hmm. that there's mm-hmm. this perfect thing that yeah. exists. But yeah. that's also why we watch The Bachelor. And that's also why people drink too much. Yeah. And it's also why you're we feeling do a hole that eat yeah. I mean, and don't tell anybody. I mean, you, everybody has something they're running to when they're running from. And you <laughs> think about it's the same way if it's like a woman who's happily married and you're like, why don't you just have sex with your husband? It's the same reason why men look at porn and they're, ha- and they're married as well. It's not about the sex or the release of whatever might happen, but it's about you just go and just it's escape. You're escaping the real world. And so yeah. there it is. Yeah, I think. First of all, I didn't think we'd ever talk about <laughs> pornography. That was uh, not here, on so, your list. I yeah, saw your we, list. I had a list. I had we, a list <laughs> we just went for Let's it. Let's go through the list here. Um, <laughs> if gathering, I think we got that. <laughs> Church of Christ, Jamie, Dad. You did do a great job at if gathering. By <laughs> thanks, the way, thanks. she gets to be like the host for all the if locals, and it's such a great, it's isn't fun. It, what a fun thing. It I is. Just, I, love yeah. I, I didn't like intentionally not be there for your part. Uh, it's, She's backstage. It's, you it's a very small her. part. You yeah. wouldn't see me unless you It's not a very small part. It's just not on main stage. Yeah. It's all day for yeah. three days. I would have stayed an extra 15 minutes if you would have been talking right after Annie. I'm just saying. I would not have talked about any of this, though. Okay. Yet. that Not from the live stream. <laughs> from the stage, I would. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. feel like we covered a lot. Oh my and a gosh. lot that wasn't on the Looks agenda. Like, can I go home? I'm <laughs> ready to leave. And, and we I... just we just met, and yeah. so I just feel like we just 
went yeah. deep all of a sudden. But y'all live in the same city. I feel I, like your family I feel like would we be just, friends. We just jumped past a yeah. like a few normal conversations. Uh-huh. The, pornography. Do you hate this? No, I don't hate this. It's hard. But here's the deal. I I don't want to become like no pornography I don't want to become single girl yeah I'm with you I'm yeah with you. I'm with it's you. like I don't want to be adoption speaker I don't want to be pornography speaker but I really do feel as though if if I get to bring a conversation right now that you would have never thought about or mm-hmm. just anyone else listening when they're like holy crap I have to think about this with my daughters mm-hmm. I really really value that space of being able to say yes this is an issue for women in your church this is an issue for teenage girls in your church and we all know men so I'm not leaving them out but as a woman to say don't think that this is not coming after the female mm. because it is. I mean, so you're not going to take the invitation if I say, "Hey, come, let me interview you about this in a service." No, I totally would. Okay, good. hundred percent. Checking. Oh, I'll fly back. And <laughs> yeah, I want to see that. I want to be there that Sunday. We'll just live stream it to the whole world. Yeah. You know, okay. I mean, but that's. Huh. I mean, I'll tell you, it's a, It's almost. I understand what someone feels because even in these moments, I feel embarrassed. Mm. You know, and. Wow. Not as much as like then or probably someone who's really, really entangled in it. But I I mean, my husband interviewed me for a show and we had this conversation. And mm-hmm. that's what I just love is because it's not, I may feel embarrassed, but it's a value. And he doesn't make me feel oh embarrassed. Gosh, don't feel embarrassed. Yeah. No, I know that I know in my head I shouldn't. Yeah. And I'm okay. even telling other people, don't be embarrassed. Yeah. But I will, these conversations, it's still... It just shows you what it, why it's so hard for women to talk about. There's a stigma. Because yeah. I actually don't live in shame about it, and I wrote it in a book, and I can have it on conversation, and there's and still a part of me that goes, yeah, God, yeah. I feel embarrassed that I have to have this mm-hmm. conversation. Well, I'm grateful that you're willing to feel that embarrassment now, because I know it helps a lot of people not feel it. I hope so. As much as they will. Yeah. And it, it normalizes the fact, in the same way that you say you go to a therapist, mm-hmm. you saying that you struggle with this, and this is your past, and this is your story, I think it frees people up to deal with their, I mean, it allows people to be vulnerable themselves. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Annie. Hey, buddy. Thanks for. This was so great. Yeah. I have never done a podcast with three people, and this might be it's my new so favorite fun. thing. I know. Yeah. I love being on Luke's podcast. Yeah. Annie said she wasn't going to say a whole lot. And I, didn't I said, say a whole lot. I said I didn't believe that at Everything all. Everything you said was just brilliant. Brilliant. Quiet. I really stay quiet when y'all talking about women in the church. I really stay quiet. I Why? actually <laughs> noticed that you did. Why were you hey, quiet? Hey, you then? can just say whatever you want. No, 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 I know. There, because y'all said everything. Y'all said it. I mm-hmm. So I just thought I'll just stay over here. You have so much more to say. <laughs> you do. And your words matter. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You know, this is two weeks in a row that I've had. I had. Um, Jared C. Wilson uh-huh. from the Gospel Coalition. Uh-huh. So I don't really typically float in like the Calvinist circles. And so I, I'm not saying you are Cal. I'm assuming you probably are since you're sure, like. Yes. In, uh-huh. And so like two weeks in a row, I feel like this is really <laughs> expanding he my said boundaries. And Jared C. Wilson said for Calvinist. Calvinist. <laughs> I hope that I can be like a normal person to you that. Yeah. Compared is to reformed. Jared C. Wilson. I'm not saying Jared's not normal. <laughs> I'm just saying. We can get a bad rap, and I just mm-hmm. hope I bring like normal, cool talk you are about so pornography normal. and yeah. still. And you're like a thousand other wonderful things. Okay, thank yeah, you. You are predestined to be wonderful. I am oh predestined in every <laughs> part of me. Yes, <laughs> awesome. That was great. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.